section thirty four of india persia mesopotamia and palestine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org recording by jim locke of floyd virginia the world's story volume two india persia mesopotamia and palestine edited by eva march tappan section thirty four how robert clive defended arcot seventeen fifty one by thomas babington macaulay in seventeen forty three war broke out in europe between france and england the french now attacked madras which promptly surrendered among those who fled from the city was a young clerk of the east india company named robert clive this flight practically ended his clerkship for he obtained an ensign's commission his defence of arcot was the most famous event of this war the editor clive was now twenty-five years of age after hesitating for some time between a military and a commercial life he had at length been placed in a post which partook of both characters that of commissary to the troops with the rank of captain the present emergency called forth all his powers he represented to his superiors that unless some vigorous effort were made trichinopoly would fall the house of anaverdi khan would perish and the french would become the real masters of the whole peninsula of india it was absolutely necessary to strike some daring blow if an attack were made on arcot the capital of the carnatic and the favourite residence of the nabobs it was not impossible that the siege of trichinopoly would be raised the heads of the english settlement now thoroughly alarmed by the success of dupleur and apprehensive that in the event of a new war between france and great britain madras would be instantly taken and destroyed approved of clive's plan and entrusted the execution of it to himself the young captain was put at the head of two hundred english soldiers and three hundred sepoys armed and disciplined after the european fashion of the eight officers who commanded this little force under him only two had ever been in action and four of the eight were factors of the company whom clive's example had induced to offer their services the weather was stormy but clive pushed on through thunder lightning and rain to the gates of arcot the garrison in a panic evacuated the fort and the english entered it without a blow but clive well knew that he should not be suffered to retain undisturbed possession of his conquest he instantly began to collect provisions to throw up works and to make preparations for sustaining a siege the garrison which had fled at his approach had now recovered from its dismay and having been swollen by large reinforcements from the neighbourhood to a force of three thousand men encamped close to the town at dead of night clive marched out of the fort attacked the camp by surprise slew great numbers dispersed the rest and returned to his quarters without having lost a single man the intelligence of these events was soon carried to chanda sahib who with his french allies was besieging trichinopoly he immediately detached four thousand men from his camp and sent them to arcot 
they were speedily joined by the remains of the force which clive had lately scattered they were further strengthened by two thousand men from velour and by a still more important reinforcement of a hundred and fifty french soldiers whom dupleix dispatched from pondicherry the whole of this army amounting to about ten thousand men was under the command of rajah sahib son of chanda sahib rajah sahib proceeded to invest the fort of arcot which seemed quite incapable of sustaining a siege the walls were ruinous the ditches dry the ramparts too narrow to admit the guns the battlements too low to protect the soldiers the little garrison had been greatly reduced by casualties it now consisted of a hundred and twenty europeans and two hundred sepoys only four officers were left the stock of provisions was scanty and the commander who had to conduct a defence under circumstances so discouraging was a young man of five-and-twenty who had been bred a bookkeeper during fifty days the siege went on during fifty days the young captain maintained the defence with a firmness vigilance and ability which would have done honour to the oldest marshal in europe the breach however increased day by day the garrison began to feel the pressure of hunger under such circumstances any troops so scantily provided with officers might have been expected to show signs of insubordination and the danger was peculiarly great in a force composed of men differing widely from each other in extraction colour language manners and religion but the devotion of the little band to its chief surpassed anything that is related of the tenth legion of caesar or of the old guard of napoleon the seaports came to clive not to complain of their scanty fare but to propose that all the grain should be given to the europeans who required more nourishment than the natives of asia the thin gruel they said which was drained away from the rice would suffice for themselves history contains no more touching instance of military fidelity or of the influence of a commanding mind an attempt made by the government of madras to relieve the place had failed but there was hope from another quarter a body of six thousand mahrattas half soldiers half robbers under the command of a chief named marari Row had been hired to assist muhammad ali but thinking the french power irresistible and the triumph of chunda sahib certain they had hitherto remained inactive on the frontiers of the carnatic the fame of the defence of arcot roused them from their torpor morari row declared that he had never before believed that englishmen could fight but that he would willingly help them since he saw that they had spirit to help themselves rajah sahib learned that the mahrattas were in motion it was necessary for him to be expeditious he first tried negotiation he offered large bribes to clive which were rejected with scorn he vowed that if his proposals were not accepted he would instantly storm the fort and put every man in it to the sword clive told him in reply with characteristic haughtiness that his father was an usurper that his army was a rabble and that he would do well to think twice before he sent such poltroons into a breach defended by english soldiers rajah sahib determined to storm the fort the day was well suited to a bold military enterprise it was the great 
mohammedan festival which is sacred to the memory of Husain, the son of ali the history of islam contains nothing more touching than the event which gave rise to that solemnity the mournful legend relates how the chief of the fatimites when all his brave followers had perished round him drank his latest draught of water and uttered his latest prayer how the assassins carried his head in triumph how the tyrant smote the lifeless lips with his staff and how a few old men recollected with tears that they had seen those lips pressed to the lips of the prophet of god after the lapse of near twelve centuries the recurrence of this solemn season excites the fiercest and saddest emotions in the bosoms of the devout moslem of india they work themselves up to such agonies of rage and lamentation that some it is said have given up the ghost from the mere effect of mental excitement they believe that whoever during the festival falls in arms against the infidels atones by his death for all the sins of his life and passes at once to the garden of the huris it was at this time that raja sahib determined to assault arcot stimulating drugs were employed to aid the effect of religious zeal and the besiegers drunk with enthusiasm drunk with bahong rushed furiously to the attack clive had received secret intelligence of the design had made his arrangements and exhausted by fatigue had thrown himself on his bed he was awakened by the alarm and was instantly at his post the enemy advanced driving before them elephants whose foreheads were armed with iron plates it was expected that the gates would yield to the shock of these living battering rams but the huge beasts no sooner felt the english musket-balls than they turned round and rushed furiously away trampling on the multitude which had urged them forward a raft was launched on the water which filled one part of the ditch clive perceiving that his gunners at that post did not understand their business took the management of a piece of artillery himself and cleared the raft in a few minutes where the moat was dry the assailants mounted with great boldness but they were received with a fire so heavy and so well directed that it soon quelled the courage even of fanaticism and of intoxication the rear ranks of the english kept the front ranks supplied with a constant succession of loaded muskets and every shot told on the living mass below after three desperate onsets the besiegers retired behind the ditch the struggle lasted about an hour four hundred of the assailants fell the garrison lost only five or six men the besieged passed an anxious night looking for a renewal of the attack but when day broke the enemy were no more to be seen they had retired leaving to the english several guns and a large quantity of ammunition End of section thirty four this recording is in the public domain recording by jim locke